I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. On this episode of Newt's World. That's what he is, keeps trying to rile everything up. He doesn't want to calm things down. What's he do? He just pours gasoline in the fire. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left, because this is not a right-wing own, problem. This is, this is a left-wing This is a left-wing White supremacist. Antifa's an idea, not an organization. Oh, you got it. Not militia. We're done, sir. We're moving on to the next question. Vote now. Make sure you, in fact, let people know. No, he doesn't you're want to senator. I'm not going to answer the question. Why would you answer that because question? Because the you question is, the question is, radical question, left. Will you shut who is up, your, man? Listen, who is on your list, Joe? Your different approaches has even affected the way that you have campaigned. President Trump, you're holding large rallies. Vice President Biden, you are holding much smaller events with nobody will show up. People with. <laughs> What's well, true? Nobody shows up to his rallies. Okay, all right. A lot of people died. And a lot more are going to die unless he gets a lot smarter, a lot quicker. So, Mr. President, did you use the word smart? Uh, so you said you went to Delaware State, but you forgot the name of your college. You didn't <laughs> go to so. Delaware State. You graduated either the lowest or almost the lowest in your class. Don't ever use the word smart with me. Don't ever use that word. Oh, give me a break. Because you know what? There's nothing smart about you, Joe. Like many Americans, my reaction to the presidential debate last night was one of surprise and frustration. I heard from many of you that the vitriol between the two candidates and the lack of control by moderator Chris Wallace made many of you turn off your TVs rather than bear witness to the lack of decorum and talking over one another. It's an unfortunate start to our countdown to the 2020 presidential election. The American people deserve better. Hopefully, 
the candidates will receive the message loud and clear that they both need to do better next time to address the important issues that face our country. The next presidential debates will be on October 15th and October 22nd, with the vice presidential debate on October 7th. I was fortunate today to have an opportunity to speak to members of my Inner Circle Club by video conference this morning and share both my thoughts on the debate and also hear what they had to say. The podcast today is part of our conversation. Now, I'm going to talk briefly and candidly about last night. Uh, I think that it may be the worst presidential debate in American history, which only starts, of course, with John F. Kennedy and Richard Nixon in 1960. So it's a 60-year-old tradition. None of the three participants covered themselves with glory. I think that the country is facing huge challenges. The challenge of COVID, the challenge of lockdown, the challenge of the economy, the challenge of a huge debt overhang for the future, the challenge of an education system that doesn't work, the rising challenge from China. I just think there are so many things that we should be having a serious conversation about. And I thought none of the three participants, neither President Trump, Vice President Biden, nor Chris Wallace, really rose to the occasion. And the result was, frankly, it degenerated into something that made me pretty uncomfortable and made almost everybody I've talked to pretty uncomfortable. As most of you know, I'm very pro-Trump, and I think that Biden's election will be a disaster. But I think I have an obligation to speak as an American citizen, and this just wasn't good enough. And I hope that the president will really take a big step back And we'll rethink how he approached this and maybe fundamentally rethink what he does and what the vice president does. We have our vice presidential debate coming up in just a few days. And I hope that Vice President Pence takes that as an opportunity to show all of us what a serious, calm, issue-oriented, positive debate can be like. You can have a serious discussion about the degree to which Biden doesn't understand Antifa, for example. You can have a serious discussion about condemning white nationalism, where the president got off onto repeating some stuff that wasn't going to work with the news media. He just gave them a huge opening to hammer on him for which they'll do now for three or four days. All of these things are predictable. All of these things are solvable. We've allowed our political process to get down into a combination of sort of gotcha and petty trivia. And yet the country's faced with the largest range of challenges from rethinking healthcare to rethinking education, to rebuilding infrastructure, to fundamentally overhauling the great bureaucracies that have become so rigid and so inefficient, to thinking through how we're gonna deal with a world in which we're gonna solve many of the problems of aging. We're gonna have an amazing number of Americans in the next generation living to be over 100. Well, we're not prepared to deal with any of that. And this kind of debate that is narrow, petty, nasty, yelling at each other, talking over each other, with no real focus on positive things, it's a sad commentary on where we are as a country right now. And I think that both 
President Trump and Vice President Biden are potentially better than that. And I hope that the message they're going to get from virtually every American is, let's take the last three debates, the vice presidential debate, the two presidential debates, and let's turn them into serious conversations. And let's insist that the moderators ask serious adult questions and don't just play gotcha and don't pick up off the latest lie from the New York Times, the latest smear from some other publication. I did not think it went well for anybody. I don't know who will gain out of it. I think on style, probably Biden did better. On substance, I think Trump did dramatically better. I mean, when Biden can't recognize that Antifa is an organization, he's got a problem. And I think there are a whole series of things like that. I originally started out to write about how these kind of debates happen and how they occur and what they mean. But the more I thought about it, that's not the big story. The big story from last night is that this was not an acceptable debate for the American people. It wasn't the right tone. It's horrifying for foreigners. How can you rely on the most powerful nation in the world when this 90-minute spectacle is how they're picking their leaders? I'm going to be very blunt. Our leaders owe us a more honest and more adult conversation. At least that's where I'm coming from. And I'll look forward to your questions and your comments. And maybe you can help educate me. Or if you think I'm way off, maybe you can tell me why I'm way off. Let's take some questions. Lynn Crawford from California. Newt, after last night's debate, how would you prep President Trump and Vice President Pence for their upcoming debates? What should the president do differently? They should talk to the American people, not to the moderator and not to their opponent. They should talk about big solutions, big ideas, and they should insist on staying at that level. And if their opponent wants to get down in the mud, they'll just pat them on the head. This isn't 2016. Part of what has got Trump a little bit off track is in 2016, he was an outsider. He was a newcomer. He was in a race with somebody who was deeply disliked, and it was a brutal slugging match. We're not there. The country's in much deeper trouble. People feel they're in deeper trouble. People are much more anxiety-ridden. They want reassurance. They want a sense that we have leaders who know what they're doing and that will share with us where we're going. We want to go on this journey together. That's what a free society is all about. And this really does concern me. I'm very concerned about where we are right now. Inner Circle member Keith asks, would there be value in having each candidate give opening and closing statements in which anything can be discussed? Look, I am very much opposed to the news media defined and news media dominated debate system that has evolved. I think it puts way too much power in the hands of the reporters. They're not running for office. They're not going to be president. They have no particular claim to be the people who interrogate our potential leaders. So I'd much prefer to have an opening and a closing that were totally controlled by the candidates. And frankly, I'd like to see the candidates have a dialogue more than a debate, have a conversation rather than yelling at each other. Larry wants to know if you think President Trump is coachable on how to best debate on TV. I think President Trump's very smart. He had very smart people like Chris Christie coaching him. So it's not that they didn't do coaching. But I think they went in there and misunderstood tonally 
both where the country is and what it would feel like to engage in that kind of combat. I do think, by the way, that when you have an essentially liberal commentator asking questions, if you're the conservative candidate, you have to go in recognizing it's going to be a two-to-one against you and that you have an obligation to reach beyond where we are and not ever allow the news person to define the debate. So I think that's almost guarantees a certain level of conflict. But that's why, frankly, I'd like to see them find a totally different way of doing these things. I think the whole debate commission is a bunch of self-important people coming out of the 1970s. I dislike the commission deeply. I think the way they structure things is wrong. And I'd almost rather have random questions coming from the American people, which you could certainly do in the modern age, rather than from some reporter. Nancy asks, what Senate races are too close to call? Where are the real battlegrounds going on? Look, I think we have a bunch of very exciting races on both sides. I think the race in Michigan, where Jones is running as a Republican, has a superb chance to win. I think the race in Maine, where Susan Collins is in the fight of her life, but she has a long track record as an independent thinker that really does kind of fit Maine. Frankly, Colorado is a challenge. One of our best candidates is the Senator Cory Gardner, but he's got a real tough race because Colorado has gradually grown much more Democrat. We have a very good candidate in New Mexico who was the weatherman down there, and he may well pull off a real upset. I look around the country, there are a bunch of these places. Iowa may be the biggest fight of all. It's very interesting because I think Joni Ernst is a great senator, a great candidate, but she's in a real fight. And the amount of money the Democrats support into Iowa, because it's the presidency, it's a Senate seat. And I think there are either three or four House seats that are up where we could sweep the state. And my friends in Iowa tell me that they think we're very likely to sweep the state. So those are some pretty good examples of very close races that are going to be exciting to watch on election night. Sherry from Georgia has a great question. Is a concession required by the losing nominee? If the outcome is so close and no one wants to concede, do we not have a winner and have to wait till someone gives up? No, concession's not required. It doesn't really matter whether you concede. What matters is how many electors get picked. And if you have 270 electors, you win. It's that straightforward. The real question is, given all the the things the Democrats are doing to change what's going on, they're talking now, for example, about allowing ballots to come in nine days after the election. Well, then figure out how long it's going to take them to count and verify them. So you could be talking about not knowing who has carried a particular state until the beginning of December. I mean, we're drifting towards a real nightmare. I collect various news stories in state after state where people are getting ballots they didn't ask for. Some people are getting two ballots. The whole thing is going to be the messiest election process in American history that's coming right at us in November. To follow up on that, Lorraine Grass, so what happens if the election is decided on November 3rd? What are the steps that happen after that? Well, I think there are three phases. First of all, you have the vote count on November 3rd and the days that follow it. We just did a terrific podcast with Ted Cruz, who has a new book out. And Cruz was on the legal team in Florida in 2000. 
in the Gore versus Bush campaign. He really lived through it. It was 35 days between the election and the Supreme Court finally saying that Bush had won. One step is to simply have straight out lawsuits. I am told that in Philadelphia alone, the Democrats have filed 24 lawsuits as placeholders. I'm not a lawyer, but I'm told by lawyers what that means is you can then go back in and file a real lawsuit for that placeholder, and it puts you higher up on the docket, and therefore you're more likely to be able to pick a judge you want. And so that could be a whole mess. You can see a lot of states tied up in court. You then could see real contests about who actually won. You have to go back and have a recount. I mean, imagine trying to recount a big state like California. And then you have the question of, are there enough electors for somebody to get 270 electoral votes? If that doesn't happen, then you would go to the House of Representatives, which is an interestingly mixed bag because in a presidential vote, every state counts as one. So California, which is huge, counts as one, and Wyoming, which is tiny, counts as one. The Republicans actually have more states than the Democrats, but a good friend of mine, Bill Pitts, who used to be the Republican parliamentarian for Bob Michael, has pointed out that they could simply gin up some election challenges and refuse to seat four or five Republican members and therefore give the Democrats a temporary majority in the House and they could then pick the president. Hi, this is Newt. I want to invite you to sign up for a yearly subscription to my Inner Circle Membership Club. We're in a critical time in our history where the outcome of the next election will set us in a course of two very different American features. As a member of my Inner Circle, you'll receive exclusive invitations to join my video conferences with 2020 election updates and my analysis of the upcoming presidential debates. Here's a special offer for my podcast listeners. Join my inner circle today at newtsinnercircle.com. And if you sign up for a one or two year membership, you'll receive a free inner circle challenge coin, exclusive to 500 members only as part of your membership welcome package. And as an Inner Circle member, you'll receive an invitation to attend my members-only event, Live with Newt, a discussion on the vice presidential debate on Thursday, October 8th at 12 p.m. And there are many other benefits of membership. Sign up for a one- or two-year membership today at NewtsInnerCircle.com. That's NewtsInnerCircle.com. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a&e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland? I'm willing to do anything. I want to see peace. Then do it, sir. Say it. Do it. Say it. You want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a name. White supremacists and and right boys. Stand back and stand by. Kathy wants to know what your opinion is of why Trump avoided the question to denounce white supremacy groups. I just thought it was dumb. For some reason, Trump couldn't bring himself to just say, I denounce this group. He did denounce the Ku Klux Klan, and he has certainly denounced white racists. That was probably his biggest misstep because it gave the left something easy to hang on to. Now, there is no evidence if you look at his appointees, if you look at the people he works with, If you look at the amount of energy he's putting into the historically black colleges and universities, certainly Trump is deeply committed to an integrated United States. But I do think that by not just being that blunt and that direct, he set himself up for a little more pain, a little more scarring up than he needed. Matt and Rini have similar questions. Given all the news of the last couple of days on the mail-in ballot fraud, If you were President Trump, how would you position teams nationwide, statewide, countywide to prevent this great potential for voting fraud? Is there anything he should be doing or thinking about? Well, I think the Republican National Committee has a huge poll watching program underway. And anybody listening to this who wants to get involved should check to see if they need poll watchers in their community. I think the Republican lawyers have literally hundreds and hundreds of lawyers lined up. And I think the Justice Department, on behalf of getting to an honest election, will have people in the field looking at what's going on and prepared to arrest people if, in fact, anybody's overtly breaking the law. So I think there'll be a lot of effort. What we don't know, though, when you have these deals like in Nevada, the governor and the Democratic legislature have passed a law to send a ballot to everybody in the state, whether they ask for it or not, 
And the post office has already written them a letter and said, if you do that, we know there are 200,000 people who no longer live in Nevada. And so you're going to be asking us to send out 200,000 ballots, which are then going to sit at a apartment house, or they're going to sit at a condo, or they're going to sit at a nursing home. And then the culinary union, which is the strongest democratic organization in the state, will go around and pick them up and you'll have ballot harvesting. And if the Democrats have their way, there'll be no signature verification. There'll be no way to prove who voted. And there'll be a total mess. And every day that goes by, we see more stories from New York, from Pennsylvania, from other places, indicating how bad this is going to be. George is very worried about the election being stolen this year. He shared with us he's 85, and this is his 17th presidential election. He wants to know how we stop the flow of money into the anarchy groups, especially corporations behind lawlessness and political disorder. Why was an action brought against Soros? Well, I think that when you're talking about groups like Antifa, which has been designated as a terrorist group, there is a provision in federal law that if you're donating money to a terrorist group, we can prosecute you. And so I would say that there are a number of places like that where that's the way we should, in fact, approach it. I don't know that Black Lives Matter as an organization is in quite the same overt being outside the law, but certainly some elements of it are. And I think that we do have a right as a country to protect ourselves from people who want to use violence and want to tear down and burn down buildings, etc. This is the first year we've really had this scale of organized, systematic looting and burning things and violence. We're gradually going to respond to it. The average person does not want to live in a neighborhood where criminals can go around and coerce you and tell you to do what they tell you to do or they'll hurt you. So I do think you'll see a continuing consolidation of that. Tim from Nevada asks, states like California have voting laws like ballot harvesting, which Democrats used to their great advantage in 2018. What prevents Republicans from doing the same and taking advantage of those laws? Not much except that Democrats are much more likely to go into a nursing home and gather up everybody's ballot and cast it for them. Republicans tend to be kind of goody-goodies. And so they play by much stricter rules, and they try to do what the rules call on them to do. And a lot of Democrats want power, and if that means they have to fudge on the rules, they just fudge on the rules. I think it's that straightforward. Steve from Washington wants to know, why does the report on Hunter Biden get so little attention? He read the complete report, and it was shocking. We've tweeted out the Senate report on Hunter Biden, and we've also have it, I think, on our show page at Newt's World. It's 85 pages long, and it raises questions like, why did the richest woman in Russia send Hunter Biden a billion, $300 million? And you can raise all these questions, and all that Joe Biden says is, well, you know, I really wasn't paying attention. Or Now, Hunter Biden flew to China with his father on Air Force Two, he got a deal with the Chinese who were going to invest a billion, $300 million, which he was going to manage. Now, I mean, is there anybody at all who believes that if your son or daughter got a billion, $300 million deal with the Chinese, that they wouldn't have come home and told you? 
I think Senator Ron Johnson's done a great job of laying it out. And I think there's more stuff coming in the next week or so. But if you just want to get a sense of how bad this is, that's a great way to do it. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. I would have walked off the stage at certain times and and said, until you can actually make sure that we abide by the rules, I'm not going to be a part of this charade. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. That was the worst debate I have ever seen. In fact, it wasn't even a debate. It was a disgrace. That was a show. That is really the only phrase that I can think of to really describe it. Hi, Noon. I'm your fellow Pennsylvanian and campaign worker here in Georgia back in the 80s and 90s. Do you consider that the debate moderators should have the capacity to turn off the mic for a speaker that interrupts or severely overruns his allotted time? No, because I totally distrust the moderators. I think they would use it on conservatives and never use it on liberals. I would like to know whether or not you think that the protester groups like BLM and Antifa actually don't want Biden to win because if he did, that would take away the reason to protest because you never noticed them showing any signs of supporting Biden when they're protesting. Thank you. That's a good question. I would say they would love to have Biden win because he would be so weak that they would dominate. Remember, they're perfectly happy to have left-wing mayors in Seattle and Portland and left-wing district attorneys, and a totally insane left-wing mayor in New York and de Blasio. So 
I think they'd be happy to have Biden because Biden would be so anti-police and so pro-criminal that it would be just four years of people who are dangerous dominating the country. All right. The next person that is Mark. Mark, if you could unmute your microphone and ask your question about Speaker Pelosi. One of the things that I'm concerned about, if this goes to the Congress and the Congress ultimately decides who is president of the United States going forward, what kind of role, what kind of power does Nancy Pelosi play in the process? Well, depending on how ruthless they want to be, if it actually ends up going into the House, which is where you would pick the president, I could imagine a circumstance where they would deliberately not seat Republicans to make sure that they had a majority to elect the president. I think that's very possible. I lived through a recount in 1985 in Indiana 9, where there were 30 votes outstanding. When their candidate was up by nine, they quit counting and just said, we're not going to look at the rest of the ballots. We're done. I know that in Minnesota, the only reason Franken got in office was after he had lost an election night, somebody magically found an automobile trunk filled with ballots that happened to be heavily for Franken. So I think they are desperate to get power back. I think they are very afraid of what a Trump second term would be like. And I think that it really is a situation where I would certainly not like to see us in a House of Representatives dominated by Nancy Pelosi making these kind of life and death decisions about the very nature of our government. What do you think of Biden's lack of response last night on the question regarding packing the Supreme Court? Well, I don't think he wants to say it. Look, I think Biden's entire strategy is to try to not be controversial, let the news media beat up Trump, and win as the not Trump. And so I think to the degree that he defines anything, he makes it easier for Trump to shoot at him. So his whole goal is to rope-a-dope all the way to Election Day and hope that between the news media and Trump's personality, that there will be a majority for Biden because he's this nice, pleasant guy who doesn't do anything. That's the only strategy I can make out of what they're doing. Thank you, Newt. Just wanted to know why the president didn't lay out his health care plan. I cannot answer that. The White House has a lot of good things to do. In fact, Joe DeSantis and I just published an article on the Trump health plan laying out item after item after item that they've done that are terrific. And he did refer to it a couple times in terms of lowering the cost of drugs and other things. I mentioned diabetes at one point. But I think it's part of the whole way that they approached this debate, which I think just turned out to be wrong. But they prepared to come to the debate, talk about what they had achieved, and talk about what they were going to achieve, and stayed at that level. The contrast between them and Biden would have been devastating. The number of people I've talked to who've quit watching after 15 minutes because it was too painful. Well, that's really bad for America. Thank you to my guests, the founding members of my Inner Circle Club. You can become a member of the Inner Circle by going to newtsinnercircle.com or by visiting our show page at newtsworld.com. 
Next Thursday, October 8th, is the next members-only Inner Circle event. So sign up now. Newsworld is produced by Gamers 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers, and our producer is Garnsey Sloan. Our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Pender. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich360. Please email me with your questions at gingrich360.com slash questions. I'll answer a selection of questions in future episodes. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. On the next episode of Newt's World, I'm really pleased to welcome Gianno Caldwell, who will be doing a podcast called Out Loud as part of the Gingrich 360 Network. You'll meet Gianno and get a sense of what his new podcast is about this Sunday. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network.